Thank you, Chad and worship team, for leading us. I, I trust, I hope that you have experienced and encountered the Spirit of God this morning as we've sung the truth of Scripture. Um, God takes what the enemy means for evil and turns it to good. That, that's the Scripture we're, we're looking at today. That's from the Bible. That's not just words made up. That's a truth that, that provides and, and offers us the victory that we need in our lives. Uh, spiritual victory. Uh, and, and even victory over whatever comes against us. I hope that that's your desire today is to see the victory. I hope you are in that battle with, with, with the Lord and with those forces that would come against you and that, that you're not retreating, but that you're engaged. And that today you can be encouraged in that. This is July 4th week, Independence Weekend. It's kind of that, that halfway point of summer. It's been a summer like probably we've never experienced before, and who knows what's in front of us the next six weeks. But it is a time where uh, families traditionally, even our communities traditionally, have gotten together to enjoy the festivities of outdoors, the picnics, the fireworks, um, and we're certainly looking forward to, to sharing some of that this weekend as well with our family. You know, as we, we think about Independence Weekend, what July 4th means to us as a people, I can't help but think of those who first came to this country. Some were fleeing injustice and corruption in their homelands. Some were looking for the freedom to, to work and to build their own life, not being told by family or by culture, society, what, what they had to do and what they had to be. Many were looking for a new land where they could worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience. And so pursuing religious freedom was one of the draws that brought many to this nation. The freedom that some sought, however, was exercised by some at the expense and freedom of others. This meant that some came to this country in the chains of slavery at the expense of their own freedom. Some suffered at the hands of greed and injustice as their lands, as their wealth had been seized by those who came. So from the beginning, our nation has been a people that have wandered, wandered into a new land looking to understand and to live into these freedoms. So as our nation continues to wander during these days of COVID-19 and during these days of, of racial and social unrest, it's important for us to continue to turn to the Scriptures and to seek understanding. As we've already talked about in this summer series, Abraham was called to go forth, uh, to go forth into a land that he knew not of, but that God would show him. And Jesus, Jesus calls us as His followers to go into all parts of the earth to make disciples, to baptize them in His name. And today, as we wander with God, we discover that God is not only with us, guiding us and guiding our steps, but that we are actually moving forward in a purposeful and meaningful direction and way. Joseph. Joseph was the great great-grandson of Abraham. 
Joseph, I believe, exemplifies the life of wandering with God. You see, many of Joseph's wanderings were forced upon him by his brothers and by those who exercised authority over him, literally even with him being in chains. Yet still, even in a new land, Joseph experienced the presence and the kindness of God which allowed him to be the vessel of God to be a life of redemption and even salvation for others. So the question for us today is, are you familiar with the life and the wanderings of Joseph? They are found in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Now, we're not going to read all of that. <laughs> in fact, I'm just going to retell the story. And we're going we're to focus on a couple of key verses here in the, New Test, in the Old Testament and in the Old, Old Testament. But if you want to go back and reread this story, it's a powerful story. Genesis 37 through 50 of the wanderings, the life of Joseph. If you'll remember, Joseph was the 11th of Jacob's 12 sons. And of course, we remember Jacob from last week. It was Jacob who stole the blessing of the firstborn from his twin brother Esau, and he, he manipulated away Esau's birthright. And so now we catch up with Jacob. Jacob's family had its own problems. Jacob grew up in a family where there were favorites among the, the siblings. And here we learn very quickly that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Favorite of twelve. And Joseph, excuse me, Jacob didn't hide that favoritism. So much so that we remember the story of his dad giving Joseph this coat of many colors. This coat that set him apart and distinguished him from his other siblings as dad's favorite. Oh, it was the 12 older brothers that went out into the fields to, to watch and to care for the flocks. It was Joseph who stayed home to learn from his dad and the comfort of his dad's tents and the luxuries that his dad had accumulated. I suspect that J Jacob saw something special in the life of Joseph. Maybe Jacob had this understanding of a father that, that God had something unique and special, a special plan and direction for Joseph's life. Still, Joseph's brothers hated him, and they were jealous of their father's attention. And the truth is, I don't think that Joseph was, was a very good younger brother. I think he would be interpreted as the spoiled little brat. Now, I've got my four kids here, and their youngest is not the spoiled little brat, right? Not Wilson. <laughs> Joseph played that role, though, very, very well, taking advantage of his father's favoritism. And in Joseph's immaturity, he shared his dreams with his brothers, not regular dreams, but dreams like, hey guys, one day you're going to all bow down to me. <laughs> that, I'm sure that went over well at lunch, right, or at dinner. It was more than his brothers could take. And one day, one day, they had their opportunity for revenge. You see, it was that time of the year when 
Jacob would send his, his sons, his ten older sons, out with the flocks. And they would go out into the fields, the vast fields that Jacob owned. And they'd go out and they'd be gone for weeks, maybe months at a time to, to graze the flocks in, in different fields, in different lands. And so one day, Dad, Jacob said to Joseph, Joseph, we haven't heard from your brothers in a while. Go check on them and see how they're doing. And I love as this story is told in, in verse 37, chapter 37, verse 15, almost as if just a divine word that just appeared. It says that Joseph was wandering in the field, <laughs> trying to find his brothers. See, just like the younger brother, he didn't even know where his brothers were, taking care of the sheep. He went to the one field and he couldn't find them and he's wandering around. Where's, where's the sheep? Where's the brothers? And, and the scripture tells us that it was another man who, who came along beside them and was able to, to point Joseph in the right direction. Yeah, I think your brothers and the, the flocks are over here. So Joseph took out and as he's wandering to find his brothers, his brothers see him from a distance. At first... They plotted his murder. They were just going to do away with him. But as they talked about that option, possibility, they finally decided, we'll just sell him in slavery. And as you're familiar with that story, a, a caravan of traders came by, and, and they were able to sell Joseph, and they took him off to Egypt. Joseph's wanderings in Egypt began as he was sold as a slave to Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the Pharaoh's army, or excuse me, of his bodyguard. Yet even in captivity, the Lord was with Joseph. A familiar theme. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord blessed Joseph with tremendous success. So much so that even in Potiphar's house, Joseph was put in charge of everything, because everything he touched turned to gold, was blessed. But never doubt for a moment that Joseph was still the slave. Entrapped, harassed, and unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife, Joseph suffered as the victim of a cover-up, being falsely accused of trying to rape her. You see, there was no justice for Joseph. He had no voice. He was guilty because that's the way it was. He was guilty because he was the Hebrew slave. Thus, Joseph wandered into Pharaoh's jail, a prisoner, an innocent man, condemned unjustly to a life of imprisonment and forgotten anonymity. Except for one thing, the Lord was with Joseph. Because of that, Joseph found favor with the jailer. And the jailer put Joseph in charge of all things that took place in the jail. Joseph's favor and his uncanny ability to interpret dreams eventually reached the ears of Pharaoh who himself had had a, a troubling dream and desperately needed some help in, in finding a way to interpret and understand this dream. And so from the depths of the dungeon, 
Joseph wandered into the palace of the Pharaoh with a shave and some new clothes. And guess what? The Lord was still with Joseph. And Joseph became a ruler. Pharaoh found favor in Joseph and put him in charge of developing a a strategy to prosper Pharaoh in the coming years of plenty and to save Egypt for the impending years of famine. And the famine that came was severe. But the Lord was with Joseph. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain because of Joseph's leadership, because of his vision, because of his administrative abilities to to plan and to carry out this grand strategy. Pharaoh acquired great wealth in all of Egypt. Even the land of Canaan, the land of Joseph's home, suffered in the famine. And one day, Jacob went to the ten older sons and said, Guys, you got to go to Egypt. I hear they have food. We need food. And he loaded them up with their wealth and sent them off to Egypt to buy food. So like Joseph, his brothers wandered into Egypt, into a new land, not knowing what their future would be. Of course, Joseph was there to meet them, but they they didn't recognize Joseph. You see, how could they have recognized Joseph? Joseph was dressed like an Egyptian. In fact, he was dressed as the number two in command and number two in power of, of all the nation. Surely he sounded and talked like an Egyptian. They didn't recognize him, but guess what? Joseph recognized them. And instead of anger, instead of hatred, instead of revenge, Joseph's heart broke with love, compassion, mercy. And he became their Redeemer. After all, the Lord was with him. Yes, Joseph kind of manipulated his brothers a little bit, invoked a little fear in them along the way, but he did so so that his brothers would return with Benjamin, his youngest brother, and the only brother he shared with his mother. And so as the brothers returned with Benjamin, that moment finally arrived. Joseph called his brothers close to him, and he revealed to them that he was Joseph, Joseph whom they sold into slavery. But instead of fear, Joseph offered faith, wisdom, discernment. And in Genesis 45, verse 5, Joseph says to them, do not be grieved or angry because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. So through Joseph, God not only fulfilled his covenant to bless all the descendants of Abraham, but also to bless all the peoples of the earth. Joseph wandered into a new land, mostly 
because those in authority over him caused him to wander into that new land. But as we've seen throughout this story, God was always with Joseph. God's presence with Joseph was always manifested in his life through great kindness and through great favor. All that Joseph did prospered. And Joseph's life became the conduit through which God not only blessed and saved Egypt, but also all the nations. And also his father and his brothers and all of their families. The story of Joseph ends in Genesis chapter 50. It's what we just sang before I came up. Verse 20 says this, to his brothers at the end of Joseph's life, his brothers still didn't get it. They still didn't understand. They were still afraid that Joseph would turn on them at any time. And listen to what Joseph says in verse 20. Guys, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So as we look at the story of Joseph's life, several things become clear. The more Joseph wandered, the deeper he grew in faith. God was with Joseph. But be certain and be clear to understand this. Joseph was with God. In the midst of brothers who hated him and sold him into slavery, Joseph wandered deeper into faith. Because he was with God. In the midst of sexual harassment and temptation, Joseph wandered deeper into faith. In the midst of unjust prison sentence, Joseph wandered deeper into faith. In the midst of great power and great wealth, Joseph wandered deeper into faith. And even when he was given the opportunity to exact revenge upon his brother, Joseph wandered deeper into faith. God was with Joseph, but Joseph was with God. And no matter how dark the new land grew, no matter how dark the darkness was, Joseph remained faithful and obedient to the Lord. And in everything that he did, Everything that he did, others, Potiphar, the jailer, Pharaoh, and even his brothers saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord was blessing all that he was doing because Joseph was with God as well. So let me offer three principles for wandering and thriving in a new land. First, by faith, we must believe that God is with us. But, we must also remember to be with God. At any point along the way, Joseph could have forgotten God. He was a stranger in a strange land. He was anonymous. Have you ever been in that place where you're the only one, nobody knows you? The thought goes through your mind, you know, I can do whatever I want to and get away with it. Joseph was anonymous. No one knew him, no one knew his family, and no one knew his God. 
when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him in secret. Joseph could have easily given in. After all, who would have known? And he probably would have just been one of many. When his brothers showed up in Egypt, Joseph could have executed them on the spot for revenge, and no one would have said a word. But instead, Joseph trusted the Lord. And Joseph had determined to live by God's principles, by his principles of kindness, by his principles of mercy, of grace. Regardless of the circumstances, Joseph knew that God was with him and that he would be with God. Second, we must always remember that God is working about us to preserve life. Joseph knew the despair and the darkness of the pit and of the prison. He knew the shackles of slavery and the pressure of unrelenting sexual temptation. And he also knew the power and the riches of this world. And in the midst of all these things, in the midst of these swings back and forth, in the midst of having everything and having nothing, Joseph learned and came to understand that God was always at work preserving life. His life. The life of Egyptians. The life of his father and of his brothers. And even when their intent was evil, Joseph knew that God's intent was good. Now listen carefully. God, I believe, does not initiate and God does not bring evil against us. The Bible is very clear that we have an enemy, a thief, a prowling lion looking about to destroy and to devour us. Yes, God allows evil, but God is greater than evil. God frustrates evil because God redeems evil for His glory and for His purposes. Romans 8.28 that we read together just a, a few minutes ago says that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. To those who are with God, God's with them. And God is working to bring about good. What they meant for evil, God intends for good. God is at work all of the time. Joseph knew firsthand that, that God worked all things together for good, even in a new land. And today, God continues to work like this in the lives of those who love Him. Those who are with God understands this truth. God not only creates life, but God redeems life. And God is always working to preserve life. And God works through those who are with Him to preserve and to redeem the lives of others. Finally, we must work out our salvation each and every day. This truth comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. The scripture says, For us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling each day, for it is God who is at work in you. 
God is with us. We are with God. God is working in us. Each day is a new day in a new land. And more than ever, we have been reminded of this. Some days we find ourselves in the pit, and some days we find ourselves in the palace. Some days we find ourselves enslaved. Some days we find ourselves empowered. But regardless, we are to work out, that is, we are to grow into our salvation in whatever situation we find ourselves. We do so humbly, we do so faithfully, we do so as we embrace the themes of love, of grace, of justice and forgiveness. And like Joseph, we grow and mature in our faith so that at some point we see God working through us to love and to preserve and to bring salvation into the lives of others. Again, we must realize that what some intend as evil against us God is working through you. God is working through me. God is working through us to bring about good. And that good is the salvation of life for others. Church, this is the work that we must commit ourselves to each day as we wander into the new lands that God sends us. As a nation, my prayer is that we also remember this truth. Does anyone know how old America will be? Do the math real quick. 244 years this July 4th. Even as we approach that birthday, we as a people are still growing into and working out each and every day the truth of liberty and justice for all. We have come so far but we still have not arrived. We find ourselves still wandering at times, but we must not abandon the journey. In the midst of disease, in the midst of racism and social unrest, in the midst of polarizing elections, let us trust that God is still with us and be reminded that like Joseph, no matter how bad things get or how easy it becomes to slide down that slippery slope of temptation, that we too must be and remain with God. And in being with God, God will use us. God will use His church to preserve the life of this nation. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for this powerful, incredible story of Joseph. Lord, how much he must have felt abandoned at times, abandoned by his family, sold into slavery by them as he worked to build trust with Potiphar, betrayed by his wife, betrayed by Potiphar, because he was, after all, he was the slave. And then how we saw you redeem his life such as he came to power under Pharaoh. And each step along the way, no matter where he found himself wandering in this land of Egypt, you were with him. And your grace and your kindness showered down upon him in such a way that in everything that he did, he prospered. Even in the midst of slavery, betrayal, denial, injustice. 
even in the midst of feeling abandoned and left in a prison cell. Father, we can relate to this story in a lot of different ways. And I pray that we would realize that no matter where we are, that you're with us. And like Joseph, help us to commit ourselves to being with you, to not giving up and abandoning the journey because the circumstances around it, because the evil that is poured upon us seems to just overwhelm us and overcome us. Lord, help us to, to be faithful, to be with you. And to marvel at how you would turn that evil into good. That evil into something that preserves and redeems the lives of others. Father, we've been reminded of this powerful truth today in our worship, in our music, in Scripture, in the story of Joseph. We've been reminded of it in our own lives. So Lord, today, no matter where we find ourselves in this new land, I pray that we would recommit ourselves to you, to being with you as you are with us, to being a part of your work to preserve the lives of others. Lord, help us to work out that salvation each and every day. And Lord, we lift our nation to you. Father, we know that as a people, we've wandered from you. And I pray that your church would be faithful. And your church would be that preserving element in our culture, in our society that, that draws others back to you. That allows us to fulfill and to live into this spiritual truth of liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Lord. And now as we sing, let us stand, let us make our commitments to the Lord. Let us renew our commitment to Him as we wander, but as we wander in the presence of God in all that we do. Let's stand and sing together.